Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift. I am so thankful that you decided to tune in today. You don't know how much I appreciate this. And this is another episode that you are not going to want to miss because I have been just had the most fortunate opportunity to meet some really spectacular people in their field. And so I am so excited to introduce Jen Green today. And I want to tell you a little bit about Jen. And I've got it written down so I don't mess it up. Jen is a real estate investor and a serial entrepreneur, which is pretty cool in itself. But wait till you hear this. She was also named the top real estate investing executive by the International Association of Top Professionals in 2022. So that's that's an amazing recognition. So Jen, I am so happy to have you here and thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you and um, I can't wait. Yeah. And so one of the things that we talked about, because we, you know, behind the scenes stuff, um, we always talk a little bit before we get started doing these. So we have a pretty clear idea of what we want to talk about and focus in on. Um, yeah. But before we get into that, I've I'd like to, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Because you didn't start out in real estate, right? No, I didn't. Um, It was just kind of a happy coincidence, I guess. I am, I'm actually a trained criminologist and did that work for 15 to 20 years before jumping into real estate. And it's kind of funny. Everyone's like, gosh, that's so different. And the, the reality of it is sure. It's a different medium that we use, but it's doing the same thing. It's helping people. Um, And, you know, I did a lot of work in anti-human trafficking and sexual violence, and that's still part of my heart and soul of what I do. It's just not an everyday thing that I do anymore. Now we more focus on folks who need to sell their homes in, you know, faster situations. So like in distress situations, if you want to put a name to it, you know, divorce obviously being one of them, Um, but foreclosure, bankruptcies, probate, any of those kinds of situations, that's kind of like how that it fell in our laps. Um, And my husband got laid off randomly one day and I was at home with our kids when they were little. And it was sort of like, this is the time for us to make that leap. And we did. And here we are five and a half years later. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And, and that kind of a background is so interesting. You don't often hear people that are criminologists. So. Yeah. No, you do not. No, everyone's like, oh, you work in the FBI. I'm like, no, 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 no. Not no. like that. But, no. but still, that's really interesting. So yeah, so we are interested in talking about um, those distress situations, like you say, yeah. when it's necessary to sell a property quickly. And you mentioned some good ones, obviously a divorce case. You don't want to put a home on the market that nobody can afford and have to keep making payments on it for, you know, six, eight, 12 months or however long it takes. Um, And the the housing market is really volatile, isn't it? You really can't time it or predict it. Yeah, it's hard, you know, and especially I think the last three years have just been so weird and it's just uncharted territory. I feel like every single month that something new happens, some, you know, interest rates jump, then they go down, then there's this, there's no inventory. I mean, it's just kind of a funny place to be. And I think so many people give their predictions and I mean, it's, that's what it is, is a prediction, but we, we don't know. And as of right now, I mean, where the market is, is there's just very, very low inventory. I mean, there's, this is the lowest the inventory has ever been. 
And so there are still, you're still seeing those multiple offer situations. However, I'd say like the one change that I have seen is that, you know, before it was, you know, back in crazy time a couple years ago, it was like anything you put on the market would sell no matter what. And now it's kind of come to the point, like, yes, things are still selling, but they have to be ready to go and move in ready. People okay. aren't really wanting to do the work to the properties anymore. I think also just too, because of, you know, interest rates have changed that those HELOCs or anything that you do are not going to be as beneficial as maybe they had been, you know, a few years ago. And that's really important is to understand what's going on. And the other thing to remember, I find, because I live in a real rural area, it, sure. you know, you can go two hours down the road to Dallas mm-hmm. and the, the market is just like, they can't low inventory. People are literally driving up and down the streets and yeah. stopping and making offers. Not, not right. every day or anything, but it, you know, sure. I, I've heard of a couple of friends of mine have had random people just say, Hey, if you ever want to sell your house, like we're buying. Yeah. And, um, but out here where I live, it's, you know, properties are still sitting on the market for extended periods of time. Now they're typically, you know, acreages are farms, so they're not urban, uh, you know, brand new houses and things like yeah. that. But even yeah. the real high end properties in, around my area are still sitting here for quite a while. So, so tell us about how that happens. How do people find you when they're going through a divorce? Like, what do they look for or how do they, and, and let me clarify too, if you don't mind, Jen, yeah, your sure. services are provided in, like in a, is it a state by state that you work or do you just work in one location or how does that all operate? So typically for us, one of the biggest things that's important for us is to, to build relationships really with the people who we work with. Um, the majority of the things that we do here, I'm located in the Twin Cities Metro in Minnesota. Um, the, the homes that we purchase here, like I said, are with our, you know, company are located here. However, we do have several other partners that we've worked with throughout the country, you know, that we've also vetted and made sure are doing things the way that we do, which is honesty, integrity, and compassion. If you don't have those pillars, you know, built into your business somehow, we will not refer you, nor will we do business with you. It's just, it's just how we work. Because yeah. um, again, I think sometimes when you hear the word real estate investor, you know, much like sometimes when you say attorney, right, th- there can be a bad rap on both sides, you know, for both of those, those professions. And so really kind of creating a different approach is what we at Property House have done. And, and I'll tell you right now, Marty, I mean, I think I told you this even before we started, the majority of the homes that we purchase are based on referrals from the professional community. Right. And so that's how we've built our base here and just really built a name behind that to make sure that we do what we say we're going to do 100% of the time. And so, like I said, typically it's going to be through a referral from their attorney, you know, to us. I don't, I don't enjoy cold marketing and outreach. We've done it sometimes, but it's just not my favorite thing to do. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so I think building that network you know, of professionals that we like, know, and trust, that's already set in place then before we meet with people because they know that we're also someone that their attorney likes, knows, and trusts. And so gotcha. that's really kind of, it's, it's, not a, it's not a rough transition. It's not some smarmy person saying like, hey, let me buy your house for cash because you don't know if it's going to be a scam or, you know, a lot of people get scared by that. And I don't, I don't blame them. There are definitely 
are scams out there, you know, but if you have that relationship base already, it's just a lot easier of a transition. So it sounds like you work primarily in the Minnesota area, but as specifically the Twin Cities area, but you have a network of people that work outside of outside of your area across the yes. country. Yeah. Yes, yep. And, I'm and involved in, in several different, you know, groups and entrepreneurship groups and other real estate, you know, relationships and coaching groups and, you know, business and entrepreneurship groups, BNIs, all of that stuff, I think has been what's been able, like I said, kind of transferring our, you know, the trust that we have to these other folks that we can help people all over the country if needed, you know, based on, like I said, what we run by, which is honesty, compassion, and, and, you know, um, you know, ethics really. So let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, Jen, about the benefits of going through a a fast home sale. Is that a good description of what, what you're, what you offer as opposed to doing the traditional, put your house on the market. Like what are the, how do you weigh which option is the best one or how do you recommend people weigh which one is the best? I mean, I think one of the biggest things is having somebody come in person you know, to your property. A lot of the times, not that they're scams, but I just feel like sometimes the iBuyers, if you've heard of that, and it's it's no, you know, I'm not throwing shade at them by any means. It's just a different way of doing deals when people don't see your home and they estimate what they can pay and then typically they have someone come. So it's going to sound very good in the beginning. Um, and then it could change later. And one of the things that we do is, again, if we're in Minnesota, I'm just going to speak that way is that we'll go to the house, meet with the homeowner, and then really ask pertinent questions, right? To understand what it is that they need and then build one, two, three, four plans around that. It's not just going to be like, hey, here's the cash, we're in and out. And some people want that. But I think what this is really about is creating options that make sense for everybody involved. So sometimes, you know, that divorce decree will say, you need to sell the house, be done, finished, we're done. Other times it's like, okay, I mean, we've set up trusts for children once the houses have been sold to say we'll pay into this trust for X amount of years. I mean, there's so many different cool, creative things that we can do, but we have to ask the right questions first in order to get to that point so that everybody is on board and happy with what the results are from the sale of the property. That's we can, great. Yeah, that's a great yeah. strategy because there's ways that families could potentially re- decrease their tax liability, especially that capital gain stuff that's going to come up and bite you. So, yep. And that's important to really think about all that. Cause I think when you say like, Hey, fast cash offer, that may sound good, but then maybe on the back end of somebody, it's really not like you said with tax, you know, capital gains. And so it's like really kind of structuring it in a way that makes sense, you know, for folks who do want, you know, choose to get divorced. And if there's children involved, I mean, there's so many different things that go, into it that we don't just look at the top layer. We're looking at all of the layers and then creating, like I said, several different plans that maybe perhaps they, you know, can choose from. And then whichever one makes the most sense, we can go with that. And how long does it typically take for, and I know everybody's different, everything's unique, but let's say a couple comes to you, says, look, we're going through the divorce. Here's the decree. We we're we neither one of us is going to buy each other out. We need to yeah. sell this property. What's the time frame from when they contact you to closing and you know disbursement of 
of the funds. Sure. The funds. Yeah. So I usually like two to three weeks is probably the fastest we can do. Um, I mean, I could go faster than that, but it's all going to depend on title. As long as, you know, title is clear. And once title clears, then, I mean, I've closed in as fast as two weeks. Other folks are like, we need more time to be able to move out and gather our things, you know, six weeks, whatever it is, but it's a cash close every time. And we pay closing costs. Um, we pay, you know, whatever we can to make it easy. There's no realtor fees, you know, and any of those things that would get in the way of lowering what our number is as an offer, we tend to, like I said, take care of. And that goes into our offer. Everything's baked into what that number is. And there's, so the, the parties or the, the sellers have the opportunity to negotiate with you as well. They don't have to accept an offer, they could say, hey, we'd like to look at something, you know, something different. So, and I just think the whole thing of not having to stage your home and have random people traveling through at whatever time that they call to to do a showing, right? Yeah. That's something. It it absolutely is. And I mean, frankly, some people just don't have the time to do it, don't want to do it, don't have the funds because it's also – you know, I think when people are connected to their homes, there's a, you know, it's, it's an emotional connection. And so a lot of the times when we're like, oh, we have to redo X, Y, and Z. You're not necessarily thinking about another home buyer. You're thinking about yourself sometimes. And so maybe some of those repairs and renovations aren't necessarily what the market is demanding. And so sometimes I've seen that too, where they're like, well, yeah, but we redid everything. Well, right, but you didn't redo it to the way that maybe what the market is demanding. And now you've put $50,000 into this house and you're, and you're not going to get that back. You know, I'm just working with a client right now who did that exact same thing. They knew they were going through a divorce. Yeah. About two and a half years ago, they decided to do a major home renovation to get their home fixed up. This was, this is a very nice home already. I mean, I haven't been inside it. I mean, she's my client, but I've seen pictures of it and the choices of colors and materials, I'm like, holy cow, who thought this yeah. was a good idea? And I'm not yeah. I'm not a real stylish person, but even to sure. me it was like odd. And yeah. you know, and not only did they want to get were they anticipating they would get the actual value of their investment on the on the back end, but they anticipated that they would get all this positive feedback and they started getting negative feedback and they got really angry with their realtor. Like it's not their realtor's fault. Um yeah. It's hard. Yeah, because like I said, that emotional tie. And that's the thing that's different about as an investor is is we don't have an emotional tie. We are strictly just doing it based on what the neighborhood and market demands. You know, and then we then, like I said, for us, like I said, we're going to renovate the property and then put it back on the market or if it doesn't even need renovations. I mean, that's the other part of everyone's like, well, you're just looking for a, you know, home that has all this, you know, is in disrepair and needs all this work and da, 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 da. But that's not the case all the time. You know, like we bought houses that are market ready. We've also listed properties that are market ready because that also made the most sense, you know, for somebody. And we've done that several times. You know, it just, it's really about what is going to make the most sense to, to get rid of the property the, in the quickest way possible. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. And, and I'm pretty sure that if you actually sell a house, it's going to be a lot longer than six to eight weeks because you won't even get to close by six yeah. to eight weeks by the time you do all that. Now, what right. about inspections and stuff? Do you do, do you handle all of that or is that the seller's responsibility or how does that work? 
Sure. So our inspection period is when we come and look at the house. I don't do inspection periods. I've looked at thousands of houses. Um, you know, the people on my team, everybody's been taught the way to look, what to look for, how to know things, estimating repairs. I mean, all of that stuff is put in front of them of here's what it's going to cost us to repair the property. I have to pay, you know, taxes, insurance, there's risk, there's time, there's money costs, you know, all these things. And obviously baking in a profit for us, you know, we got to feed our kids too, right? We're not going to be crazy about it, but it has to make sense for us too, right? And so all of that stuff is visually given to a family. And then, like I said, those different options that we give typically three to four of, you know, a straight cash out, some money down, some money over time, you know, there's lots of different things that we can do so that it's completely transparent process. And they're not feeling like you're taking me to the cleaners or I don't understand how you came up with this number. Right. And the other thing to really think about too, is that hate to say it, but I'm going to get my renovation done for a lot less than they are. Sure. Because, I, you know, do this over and over and over again. And I get better pricing on things than if somebody were to do a retail, you know, renovation, they're probably going to pay anywhere from, you know, 15 to 30% more than I do. Well, and that makes sense. Your contractors get a steady stream of work from you. So you're going to get the best prices because they know you're yes. coming back rather than a one-off deal. So that, yes. that all makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you kind of uh, opening the curtain and letting people take a look at how your side, uh, from your side, how you how you look at these kind of things. Of Jim, let's, let's talk a little bit without naming any names of companies. Um, what are the kind of scam things that people that want, and whether it's a divorce or whether it's an estate that you just want to get rid of, like an inheritance or whether it's a, a bankruptcy or foreclosure or whatever it may be. Yeah. If people are just coming at you, because I know the second that they can smell blood in the water, right? There's people yeah. that start coming around. What are some of the red flags that if somebody is trying to do a cash buy or a quick buy on your property, what mm. should sellers be aware of without, again, without naming any names of, of course. specific companies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, when it comes to somebody, if it, if it really sounds too good to be true, it, it usually is going to be. I mean, that's kind of hands down one of the universal rules, right? If it sounds too good to be true. I've also been a little wary about um, people who aren't willing to put up earnest money or a very, very small amount if they don't know them, right? If it's just some random person calling, a lot of the times what I've told folks, even when I've met them in person and say, perhaps they don't like our offer because somebody else gave them, you know, another offer that's, let's say, $30,000 above ours. They're like, well, I got a lot more money than, you know, you were offering. And I said, okay. And if that's the case, and this is what I tell people all the time. If you're having a long inspection period, you know, I mean, some people are still going to do inspections just because they're not sure, right? And then maybe they're newer or they just like to have that time to renegotiate the numbers. But a lot of the times what they'll do is present a very high number that sounds good and then go back in an inspection. And again, this isn't a scam. It's just a way to work the system. They'll come back in and say, oh, you know what? I missed this, 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 and this. I actually need it for $30,000 less and kind sure. of take it up to the time that's close to closing. And then you're sort of strong arming someone into a closing, which I don't think is fair to do some to somebody. So that's one thing that I've seen that people use to kind of manipulate things, um, which I don't think is fair. The other side I've seen is um, if it's, if you ask for, let's say, for instance, $10,000 non-refundable earnest money, you'll see people run away real quickly. You know, so as the seller, you can ask for that. You can ask for money up front. Okay. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, it'll go to the, it'll go to title. It's not going to come, you know, to, yeah. to them personally, but it'll be held in title, you know, and a lot of people, like I said, if, if it sounds that good to you, then ask for that. Because also, if they're an investor, they should have that cash available, number one. Number two, if, they, if you don't know them, right? Again, stiff relationships are different. And then also on the other side, if they're not willing to give you that, then you know that it's not really truly an offer, right? Because they're going to want to come back and lower X, Y, and Z, if right. that's the case. Yeah. You know, um, typically, too, I've seen folks, like I said, where they don't even walk through the house or they'll say, here's my number, and then... It sounds great, but at the end, there's, you know, 20 or 30% fees on top. Oh, we have to pay for this. And you have to pay for that. So it really brings that number way down of, you know, and the offer sounds good up front, but then really in the reality of what you're netting, it ends up being a lot less because you're paying for several fees up front. So, I mean, I've found like, that's not necessarily like scammy per se. No. It's just a different way of doing things. And like I said, the the scam side, I think could if there's anybody that you don't ever meet, I have trouble with that. If I don't meet with somebody in person, you know, I mean, and they they want to purchase, that's a little tough for me. What I've seen the scams is typically if people are buying off off you know online. That's where I've seen it. Now it's not necessarily everybody. There's some really great companies that do buy online, but that's kind of where I've seen the most. Or people are asking you to give them money up front, right? That's one of the things in foreclosure situations, we do several foreclosures as well. And a lot of the times, you know, it's a divorce, but ends it, you know, and then it's going to foreclosure. It's a probate and it goes to foreclosure. So like a lot of them cross paths with each other. And that's the thing is that's a, that's illegal to charge any, if you say like, Hey, if you pay me $2,500, you know, I'll stop your foreclosure. That's, that is an absolute scam. I mean, there's actually paperwork in a lot of the things that we do with foreclosures saying that we are not charging you any money whatsoever because it's illegal. Okay. Right? That's so good that, to know. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. yeah that's good. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so like we help a lot of folks with, you know, short sales or selling out of foreclosure, whatever it is. I mean, those are one of the biggest things where I've seen. It's like, hey, if somebody asks you for money up front, then that's kind of a big red flag especially about, in those distressed situations. What about the disappearing offer? Like you have 24 hours to accept this or it's gone, it's off the table. I, I don't know if that's a common practice. I mean, I've heard other people run into this where the offer is only good for a very brief period of time. Yeah. Is that is that, should that be raising some red flags and maybe getting people to do some more investigation or? You know, it, yes, I do agree with that. Typically, if I send out an offer, um, you know, I, I, for us too, because we always have multiple properties going on at a time, I usually give a week's time, sure. you know, for people to contemplate, do what they need to do. And then if they're not sure, I extend to 30 days. Because after that, the market can change drastically in 30 days. So for me, I may have to readjust my numbers after that time as well. Well, and that you know, makes sense. Because, yeah. 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 And it really right. does because you can't make an offer and then six months down the road, if the bottom falls out of the market, then the people come back to you and say, well, this is what I want to sell it for. Exactly. Yeah. Totally I mean, and, and I've had that a few times, you know, where people are really just struggling to move out of their homes and it's, it's not me giving them an ultimatum, but it's just the reality of if, if you're going to take longer than 30 days to decide, we're going to have to come back and I'm going to have to see if that's the right number or not. And yeah. who knows? It may even go up. You know, I mean, depending nice. on what the market's doing, right? Yeah. Or it could go down or stay the same. Or, But the other part, too, is if there's deferred maintenance on the property, then it could also be a month down the road and maybe something's in worse condition than it was before. So now we're going to have to do more work because, you know, X, Y, or Z wasn't dealt with 
when we could have done something. Right. That makes so sense. It, it's, it's a variable number, usually for me after 30 days. That's good to know. So that's the window that you operate. Now, we're not yeah. saying that every single invest realtor investor is going to do the same way. So just be, right. maybe ask. That might be a good idea. How long is this offer good for? Uh, yeah. Where When will we have to take a look at revising it? Mm-hmm. Jen, we have, you have covered a ton of information. And this is so good because so many people, um, through no fault of their own, through the divorce, through, you know, just we've all had times where we just need cash fast and a house is most people's biggest asset, right? So thank you for all of this really practical advice from somebody who knows the industry and, and operates from a real high ethical level. And I I like that whole idea about being compassionate for people. I think that's really um, a strong thing. So what do you think is the most important thing that you would like people who listen in on this podcast to remember? I think that if it comes to a point where you do need to sell quickly, that whoever it is that you work with, whether it's us or somebody else, that you just really do feel comfortable about what you're doing Um, and that they're transparent about, you know, the whole process, the renovation costs, whatever it is, if there are, if there aren't. I mean, I just like knowing and trusting someone is a big part of, you know, who we are and what we've built our business on. So whoever, you know, are the people that are selling and listening to your podcast that need to sell, that they feel good about who they're working with. And honestly, sometimes we've even gotten properties under contract where we were offering less than some of the other competitors, but they liked us better and And felt better with us. Yes. And that, that to me, I think is probably just an overarching goal of just like a big picture that you feel good with who you're going to, you know, whoever the investor is that's purchasing. That's just my two cents there. Great information. Jen, if people want to reach out to you, uh, maybe they're not in the Minnesota area, but maybe they want to find out from you who's somebody that you could recommend in their area. What's the best place, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so we have a website, which is um, www.propertyhousepartners.com. And house is spelled H-A-U-S. It's a German spelling. So propertyhousepartners.com. We're also on several social media outlets, LinkedIn. You can reach me, Jennifer Green. Um, I'm just Google me there on on LinkedIn and you can find me that way. Likewise, on Facebook, we have my personal page, Jennifer Green. There is also um, a Property House Partners um, site also on Facebook and then on Instagram, Prop House, Property House Partners. It's all pretty, you know, through everything. But yeah, they can reach us in any way, message us that way, send us an email. It's hello at propertyhouseinvestments.com. So lots of different ways to reach us. And And then my phone. Yeah. (laughs) And all that information is going to be in the show notes. So don't worry about trying to write it down. It'll all be just go look at any of the show notes on any of your podcast um, sites and you will have that information. Jen, thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you and I have learned a ton as well. So thank you you for all of that information. You're very welcome. I appreciate the time. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening in to this episode of The D-Chef. And don't forget to tune in again next week when we have another exceptional expert. Thanks for listening and supporting The D-Shift Podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join The D-Shift Crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.